We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson again with Mavs. What is the name of my podcast? Kirk, your enthusiasm. You can tell I've I've done like three of these in the in the past twenty four hours. So I'm I'm getting kind of getting kind of behind the times. I'm here today. I with think a- it really fits your bit. It's a good title, I think. <laughs> it is a good title. Your kind well, of NBA curmudgeon thing you got going on. It really works well. I think it, I'll, it does I'll work totally. well. As you guys can hear, I'm I'm here with uh, Jonathan Sharks of TheRinger.com. I've known John for a alarmingly long time. When you really think about it, he uh, I first sent him kind of a nasty email when he worked for SB Nation Dallas, wondering why the heck. Oh my he gosh! Would, uh... <laughs> that, there's, you're dating yourself right there. That back in those days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I like to claim you as a Mavs Moneyball contributor, even though you were. Like I was an, I am an alum for sure. I wrote a lot for you right. for a while. I was there for like two or three years. Oh, our 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 blog forms forms one of the biggest uh, uh, front court alumni strains with a bunch of dudes who are like six foot three or taller. So it's nice. Um, Charks and I, I wanted to bring you on today, just to, you know, talk a little Mavs in general. But uh, when you when I got wind of you writing a Luka Doncic piece, which uh, dropped last week on the Ringer. I knew I had to have you on. Um, I I'm going to link the piece in the in the podcast and in in the post. If you guys haven't read this thing, it's it's one of my favorite things that I've read this year. It was particularly awesome when uh, Doris Burke actually started quoting it verbatim on the Mavs Lakers game before finally giving you credit, which was great. Uh, so was so cool. let's let's talk a little bit about that piece. How long have you been working on that? 
Um, that was something I've been like kind of going in and out of Mads practice for since the start of training camp, basically. So I was probably there like four or five, six times. And then I got a few interviews over the course of that month. I was in town, out of town. So it was kind of always in the back burner. Well, and, and so to, to compare training camps, did you go see them at all the previous year during Luca's rookie year? Gosh, I don't think so. Cause I usually travel a lot during training camps. I think sure. I didn't miss see them last year. Yeah. And, and I mean, you talked a little bit about in the piece and again, everybody go read this thing. The difference in training camps for Luca's night and day, Tim McMahon, actually, I, I'm going to get killed for this at some point, but he was on a true hoop podcast uh, or hoop collective, excuse me. And mentioned that uh, Luca came to training camp last year, weighing 247 pounds. And this year I he came in. That at- from- <laughs> that's, this that's year for sure. True. So if that's true, then he came into camp this year, a hair under 220. And it's really hard to to emphasize just how big of a difference that that physical change has has made in his game. Obviously, we're seeing it on the court, but is that really that's really like the the first big thing that's standing out whenever whenever you're you're going through this piece. So he he's looking yeah, remember, different to um, you. My editor was like, "Okay, so you're talking about Luca doing weights. Was there a once in Maslin to work on?" I'm like, "Honestly, no. They formed him to like lift weights. <laughs> There's a lot of low hanging fruit in his." weight development it was nothing too complicated just get to the gym which is funny because you know you think about an nba player and you think about these guys who are so naturally gifted luca is obviously physically gifted and then he's a big guy but he's not he's not ever really been a supreme athlete so to be able to just you know inch up a little bit was going to make some change in his game but this has been this has been pretty drastic in the back of my head i was thinking he might be like a dark horse mvp candidate by the middle of the year they played seven games and he's he's this close to averaging a triple double yeah i mean he's been great i think it's a combination of things it's the you know improved confidence in year two um improved trust with his teammates the reshaped body and the type of players he's playing with. Like this team really, you compare him to last year, the starting lineup alone, this team is built around Luca, whereas last year it was more like they had this old team kind of in the way from what he really wanted mm-hmm. to do. It just didn't fit at all last year. Okay, well, what I really wanted to ask you about a little bit was this hardened triple-double uh, section of, of your post, because that was something that was really interesting to me in terms of, and, and what you meant by hardened triple-double was, at least double-digit three-point attempts, double-digit free-throw attempts, and double-digit assists. And Luca is one of six candidates who's actually close to kind of qualifying for, for the way that they play. And is that something that the Mavericks are actually considering, or is that more of a thing that you feel that he's, like, heading towards just because of how he plays organically? Well, it was more – it was something when I was – I did a big story on James Harden last year, and I kind of realized, like, oh – the points, rebounds, assists, triple-double doesn't really kind of encompass what he's doing. It's kind of mm-hmm. like ancillary to how he plays. And so that was always in my mind. And then I was always thinking about the Luca Harden connection. So it was more like I kind of worked backwards. It's like, well, actually, Luca plays the same way too. I don't think it's any kind of Mavs goal. It's just kind of an interesting way to look at the way they play more than anything like Mavs-specific. Well, the, the reason I ask is because I think like Rick Carlisle would have a heart attack if Luca took, I think he's taken more than 10 threes, maybe three games. And it seems with the way Luca plays, if he starts shooting in volume from anywhere away from the rim, it's, it makes, 
it makes Carlisle a little bit uncomfortable. I could be reading into the situation a little bit. I know Rick has talked more and more about letting them play, but I, I still think he likes calling plays. He's he's a control. Oh, he definitely likes it. calling plays, but I don't think it really matters. Like I think Luke is going to read the floor and do what he wants. Like Rick. <laughs> Well, and, and his three-point shooting the last couple of games has gone down. I do think, I and I do believe that his shot looks a lot better this year simply because he's in better shape. It's not near as the mechanics are a little sounder. His, his balance is a lot better. I would like to see him get uh, shoot more three-pointers as long as they're not of the step-back variety. He's been a lot better coming off uh, up off the screen and simply rising and firing this season compared to last. He's not going to the step-back near as much, and that would be a thing that I think uh, uh, you know would really benefit the offense because if he hits you know two threes in a row, that opens up just about everybody else. Yeah, the one thing I love to see is him getting more catch and shoot threes, which is kind of a chicken and the egg thing because he has to give up the ball first. But mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I was looking at the numbers. I, I, I haven't looked at them lately, but it was all off the dribble versus catch and shoot. And I, I yeah. love to see Luca in more of an off ball role sometimes. I think he could be awesome at it. Like when he was at Real Madrid. He would play with um, – remember Sergio Lule? The, uh, yeah. He'd be on the ball. Luke would be off the ball. Like, that was something they would do at Real Madrid. And I, I would love to see him do it here in Dallas. I think it would be a way to save energy for him, let other guys get involved, and kind of make the offense a more balanced. And get him better-looking shots, too. Well, who's the ball handler that they'd actually trust to do that? Because, you know, last night they finally broke glass in case of emergency and put in J.J. Barea. And as much as the fans love J.J., J.J. has eyes for the rim and 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 uh, Dwight Powell. That's about it. Who, who else would on the offense would even fit in a primary ball handler role if Luca was playing off? I'd say DeLon. DeLon gets the rim really well. Like, that's mm-hmm. something that's impressed me with his time in Dallas so far. He's so crafty. And he's so long. He really has got a finishing at the rim and, like, beating guys off the dribble. I think Rick loves Brunson. I mean, I think those are two guys, DeLon and Brunson, who could play Luke off the ball a little bit. Well, speaking of Rick, you had some really, like, the closest thing to effusive praise that we've seen out of a Rick Carlisle, you know, mouth in, in like, five years. He had some really great lines in your piece that – you know, for a casual fan, they might not necessarily understand it, but anybody that's gone that's watched a Rick Carlisle press conference, he just isn't the kind of guy to say glowing things. He's a demanding coach, and that doesn't always work with certain players. But what you know, listening to him, what is what is your read on how he actually feels about this squad? I think he's excited. I think you know, this last what basically since that Monte, the first year with Parsons and Monte before Rondo. Mm-hmm. That was like three months in like the last seven years. He's had a, actually a good team. I think he's excited. I think, you know, he's getting older. He doesn't want to coach a bad team forever. You know, it just kills him. But I think, he, I think he's excited. As, as excited as Rick Carlo is ever going to do anything. He's probably excited. <laughs> well, and, and having not just one, but two players who are extremely skilled. Well, I mean, the bench, the whole team is filled with kind of interesting guys that, that might end up being, you know, more than the sum of their parts. But I'm a little curious as to what he's going to be able to do with real talent. The last three years, there's been sort of built-in excuses with the team. You know, you mentioned earlier that the team, I, I think they realized midway through like the Suns game on opening night that Luca was their best player. And as a result, they they you know they're kind of working with two different teams the entire season until they made the trade. And and I'm really interested to see what he's able to do. And, and if he's able to kind of maximize talent, 
Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Chris Stapps Porzingis. Have have you gotten how many games? So you know you weren't able to catch the Magic game last night. I think you're probably going to get to that after I told you, Jonathan Isaac, uh, your one of one of your many sons played a heck of a game. I uh, what what games have you seen with Porzingis this year? Uh, so I watched the first five. So okay. what was the Cavs? Was the Cavs game the first, the fifth game? I Cavs the game was Sunday night. That was the sixth game. Yes. Okay, so I, I watched pretty much all the first six. Okay, first, so yeah, so I watched the Lakers game too. The first six games I saw. So, what's your kind of read with Porzingis? You know, it, there's a lot of excuses right now. You know, talking about rust, and I've been really—he's been the guy that I'm most interested in watching because I just can't figure out how. I, I have really no idea from a basketball perspective how to maximize him. Yeah, my first thought is it's the old office space thing. Like, what did you exactly do here? <laughs> like, he's very skilled, right? But I just feel like sometimes beyond the threes, and when, it's even though sometimes he falls in love with, it's like how does his skill set translate to a winning atmosphere? He's never mm-hmm. will be on one. And one thing I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out is, like, defensively, he blocks a lot of shots, but does it translate to good defense? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he does protect the rim sometimes. But I remember that Portland game. He blocked uh, Dame and CJ like twice, and they didn't care. They took right going right at him, you know. I my our our mutual friend uh, uh, Cosmos on Twitter said the other day. I think Porzingis is the new gold standard for how good can you be at basketball while having no feel or instincts about how to play basketball. And that, I mean, I can see where he's coming from with that. <laughs> because it's it's really interesting. He. I spoke with Jared Dubin yesterday and he, you know, watched Porzingis up close the first two years. And there's obviously such a talented skill set there, but he learned a lot of bad habits. And the Mavericks, I think, have been going to him in kind of in, in indulging those bad habits, particularly like the mid post-ups, which everyone associates with Dirk and why they would compare the two tall white guys. But he's not that good at them. I don't really He's not as know. Fluid as Dirk. That's the big thing. Like Dirk off the dribble was so fluid back in the day. KP is so mechanical. It's not like, oh yeah, two dribbles pull up. I feel like it's like going in that often where he takes those shots. And while both those guys, Dirk and Porzingis, were athletic, and, and Porzingis is athletic, but it's a very different type of athleticism. You know, Dirk was very quick. And Porzingis has, has, you know, he has a nice vertical. He's great when he gets going downhill, but his side to side, he's not, you know, he, he, he's tall, you know, that's where really where it comes in handy for him. So I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how they can squeeze some from him, because I think, you know, you talk a lot about, about, you know, Luca and how well he's playing in, in no small part because of his athleticism or because of his, you know, the, the way his his body's in better shape now and he just kind of has a better feel for what he needs to do. I do think there's an argument to be made, though, that the lane is a little more open because of Porzingis. You know, Dubin well, suggested that's been his me, main value so far. That's been his it, main thing done of the team and opened the lane up for sure. Because he's essentially, and, and I you don't want to call him a, uh, you don't want to call him, uh, uh, what do you want, uh, shoot, what's wrong with me? He, he's a person who's not getting the ball, but they're, he's still getting all sorts of attention. And and that may not necessarily feel like it translates, you know, to a box score thing, but I do think it's helping the team because guys are just sure. giving him just all sorts presence, of attention. Yeah. So I, I you know, just, you I don't know. Athletic ability, does it remind you a little bit of like Harrison Barnes and that he's like In a this... really good athlete, 
but it doesn't always like to the core translate. It's not, it's very mechanical, not like super fluid. It, I, this is not the right terminology, but it's like straight line athleticism going at the basket. Yeah, Harrison exactly talking about. It, it's, it's like going downhill on the move and Harrison had the same thing. There were a couple of plays last night with Porzingis and I was pleased with this because the guy loves to go to his left where he finally like power dribbled with his right and got to the rim. And it's like, Oh, that's what's supposed to happen. I just, it, it's you know going to be is, really, Kirk? Hmm. It's calm by athletic ability. It's testing athleticism. It's stay on a spot, jump on a box, run to a line, that kind of thing, versus in-game athletic ability, if that makes if that makes sense. It does. I do wish they would use him as a role man more often. I've been kind of... I, would, I don't been, think I've he been, wants to roll. I think he wants to pop. I don't think he likes rolling. But if you're going to pop with body. him, Luca's going to get to the rim more often than he's going to get catches, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's just tough, though, but I feel like rolling with KP, when he's jumping, I get a little worried about his injuries. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't know. It's, like, it's, a, tough, it's a tough job to roll constantly. I'm not sure that's really his game. Well, the injuries are really kind of the overarching thing that we've not even really touched upon yet. So this is he's only played seven games. And for a guy who's played seven games to average like 19 and eight, I feel like I'm nitpicking because he's the base bottom line numbers are pretty good. He's shooting like 37 percent from three. He's getting more rebounds than he's gotten in any season to date, which is, you know, about all we could ask for. I just feel like, yeah, that's huge. Well, yeah, because he's not a good rebounder historically and getting, you know, eight and a half is really impressive. And I just, I can't help but think there's got to be a way to unlock him in a way that keeps him engaged. And unfortunately, he seems to want to trend towards, you know, a face-up, dribble, pull-up. And that, you know, last night against Jonathan Isaac, Isaac stripped him like four times. I mean, it was like taking candy from a baby. It was really interesting to watch. But I also feel that's because, in no small part, there's a little bit of a a scouting report on Porzingis and that he likes to show and go. And if you're going to reach in and hit that ball, you're probably going to get it because he might be stronger, but he's not the Hulk. Yeah. I love to see him do a little more like duckins, like screen and cut to the front of the rim and then an easy little hook shot as opposed to like the more laborious 18 foot ISO. They had they and they got him a couple of times last night, kind of coming uh, off of down screens where he'd, he'd be curling towards the basket. And you know, I, I you hate I hate to make this comparison, but I've been thinking about how the Pelicans were using Zion in the preseason, where they're getting him on the move towards the rim. Any sort of downhill action for a guy who might not be the best, you know, he's athletic, but like we talked about, that kind of downhill uh, movement that that I think might be the best for him because. He's he's he is still so talented and he's got really good touch. He just seems to really love like the 17 foot shot. It's very odd to me. That was um, that Portland game, that fourth quarter. Luca was like hunting assists. He'd get into the lane and he'd just turn around and wait when KP would cut. And that's where KP is unstoppable. Like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And he just doesn't. I And, you know, part of that makes me wonder how much this is injury, because there's a little bit of confidence in his actions that's lacking where uh in the denver game like he just looked out of sorts he just did and and that you know i'm going to be really watching for for little it's hard for me because i watch so many of these games and i don't watch as much else nba i'm really nitpicky on this sort of thing so it feels it feels a little strange i i just i do feel like there's a a a series of levels that the mavericks can get him to and it's going to be very interesting to see if carlisle can actually do that yeah, I'm, I'm also curious to see how KP responds to Rick's kind of brand of coaching. 
Because I feel like Luca, it, it doesn't really matter what you pay him. He's not going to listen anyways. So, like, Luca's just got a high belief in himself. Whatever Rick tells him, it's negative. It's just, in one ear out the other, whatever, right? Okay, Rick, sure, whatever, bro. But I wonder I how he'll respond to, like, being yelled at. Well, I don't think they're being too hard on him yet, to be honest. He gave a lot of great post-game comments last night. He actually, and by he, I mean uh, Porzingis, where he talked at length about how frustrated he is with his own play. And when you see a guy do that, I, it gives me a little bit of of hope for the future because it's really easy for a lot of these guys to to kind of buckle under the way Rick coaches because he is he just he's a, he's a very high expectations kind of guy. Yeah, I Let's, mean, I think KP, I think KP can be too hard on himself sometimes. Just just my very brief interactions with him, he's a perfectionist. Which, and and so that and you know those those three things working together, meaning Luca. Porzingis and Doncic I there's just a lot of upside with with the trio so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that uh I got a couple more things then I will let you get on with your day I I wanted to know what you think of the bench because right now we've seen five or six different starting lineups uh last night against the Magic uh like I mentioned Berea played Brunson played like 12 minutes Seth Curry only played five I think the length really did he get hurt car- did Seth- no I was he just didn't play he, did, he just didn't come oh no, wow he, it, it the game started sloppy. Luca was a turnover machine, and I think the length kind of kind of really threw the Mavs off. So he but I just start, so Steph started didn't play the rest of the game. That's right, and then he went into the end and he got fouled and missed both free throws, and they nearly lost. It was delightful. Um, I don't know what to make of the bench because I feel after Luca and KP, you basically have six guys who are all varying skill sets, but none are, are really what you would determine as like better than the others. I think uh, Maxi Kleba might be the one guy who I can say is really important because he's, he tends to guard everybody. Like he, he guards all sorts of, of different opposing players, but past that, I just don't know what to make of the guard rotation. I don't know who should be playing. I know that's what these early season games are for, but from what you've seen is is there anybody that you that stood out more than the others or anybody that you really think should should probably go have a longer seat on the bench? I think there might be one too many players in the rotation. I feel mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of hard sometimes to get a rhythm if you're playing like 12 minutes a night or 15 minutes if you're a ball handler. I mean, I really like what DeLon's done, especially on the ball when Luca's not in the game. I like that. I like his ability to get to the rim and how much space the Mavs have. I like his defense. I think DeLon... If I was the Mavs, I would make sure DeLon was in when Luca was out. I kind of stack. I plan to get by staggering since DeLon's in when Luca's out all the time. I sure. think Brunson's a lot of potential. I, I just worry. I think Brunson and Curry. I would play a lot of DeLon, Brunson, Curry, and I'd probably play less of Hardaway. Rick, for some reason, thinks Hardaway's a defensive stopper. I don't understand <sighs> that. Like he's been guarding LeBron and Bradley Beal. Like what is happening? Dame, I think at one point. Like I don't know what Rick is thinking in his head. Oh yeah, THJ is a stopper. I, and Hardaway was simply all over the map last night. It was one of those, I wasn't covering the game, so I'm watching as a fan. And my wife and I are kind of both saying, what is he doing? And then I looked at the box score and he finished with a game high plus 15. He's just such a confusing player. I, I think he ends up finishing out this entire contract with the Mavs. He's not somebody that you're going to be able to, to part with unless you're willing to give up another asset. And the Mavericks don't have any assets to give up. So I just... I. I, I hope they figure it out because I would really like to see like DeLon and Porzingis play a little more together and try to establish a little bit of a two-man game. 
Um, because like you said, I, I think Delon's really good at getting to the basket. He's also just, he's got kind of a herky jerky game and it's, it's, you know, the outside shot is, is never, you know, he's 27 years old. If he hits 33% of his three point shots, I'll be excited. That's, that's just where I am with them. But I the mean, rest of the guys turnovers. So Delon's yeah. at 4.0 assists, 0.6 turnover. That's really impressive. And Carl loves smart basketball player. Absolutely. And Carlisle values holding on to the rock. Well, yeah, the other guy rather... I want to see more is um is Justin Jackson. I've liked what he's done. I feel like he should be playing a little more. Like I would take some of THJ's and let's get Justin Jackson. I think he's sure. a really smart player. He has those floaters. He's making his threes. I think he def- he defends. He's very positionally sound. He's got good size. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of him. I and and I I really I I sort of want Carlisle to get weird and play like a massive lineup with like. Luca Jackson, Maxi Powell, and Porzingis, and just see what ha- you know. Be, right, be that's like pretty, that's pretty aggressive. That's <laughs> pretty aggressive. I, I just want to see Carlisle get super weird with some of these things because they do have oh, no, these, Kirk, these. You know what's funny? Hmm. Um, I won, I won the games. They asked him to go. Do you think with how much size you have, you'll have less three guard lineups or multiple point guard lineups? And then Carlisle gives this long meandering answer, or eventually he's like, "No, I wouldn't say that. In fact, I would say the opposite of that." <laughs> like I won't be doing that a lot. Like I'm, he's, he's like absolutely not. I'm playing three point cards at the same time. Deal with it. But, but on the flip side, he he somebody jokingly asked him during uh one of the media day sessions if he saw Porzingis and Boban playing together, and he's like, well, if they're on the roster, then sure, there's a chance. And frankly, they've played together, and it's not been terrible. That when they played against Cleveland, and granted, this is the Cavs who are a little bit of a mess. They threw those two guys out there and blew the game wide open. So it, I, yeah, I hope Bobon, he gets he funky. Uses for sure. I just hope Rick gets like, a little funky and stops looking. You know, he he does this thing sometimes where he relies. You know, the the Hardaway is a great example. Like Hardaway is a defensive stopper. Wes Matthews is a defensive stopper. Like the data doesn't show these things. So why are we continuing to do it? I don't know. That might, might be a vet thing or something. I don't know. Um, by the way, uh, the people in Milwaukee are already set up with West, so that's that's amusing. The fans, anyways. <laughs> I, it, it, you mean you mean they they are like him the way I was last year, where it was like an irrational distaste. No, I was talking to someone. It's like, could West just take better shots? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> they're all better shots. That's the way this works. Um, well, before you get out of here. I, I've been really thinking about the long-term outlook on this team. So when you boil it down to a, to a casual fan and you say, look, the Mavericks have two guys under contract for at least the next four plus years that are going to be outstanding or have the potential to be outstanding in Luca and Porzingis. But past that, I'm really curious as to where they improve. Free agency has just not been it for them. And I don't know if it ever will be. What do you see as as like the long term path for them? What should they try for, and what is realistic? I mean, I think with any team in the league in two years, right? If you want to win a championship, you should probably try to get Giannis on your team. That's the next <laughs> big. Like, if you look at the league last what decade, it was LeBron in twenty ten, LeBron in twenty fourteen, KD in twenty sixteen, Kawhi in twenty nineteen. I think. Giannis 2021. I think if you want to be a championship contender, you've got to at least push your hat in the ring. And I think the Mavs, I don't know if they have a chance, but that summer is Luca's last summer for his uh, extension kicks in, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. So that gives them one window. And if you're Giannis, like, there would not be a better team fit-wise than point guard Luka, stretch big KP, Giannis um, as your, you know, wing forward, right? That's like, that's just a bigger version of love, LeBron, Kyrie, isn't it? <laughs> Those three guys. I just, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to process that. I, I, right? I mean, that's stuff you tell them. If you get with us, won a championship for sure, right? Those two guys can spread the floor for you. They'll pass the ball. You're the guy. Let's go. And if they miss, they're missing, and they still fall back on the fact that they have two really solid players in the prime of their career. That that seems to be the case. I just think, I just think for me, Kirk, one way or the other, they've got to get a big wing. That's the piece. If it's not Giannis, you got to get someone who's going to guard Giannis or guard Kawhi or guard LeBron, guard KD. That's the okay. kind of player you need. However, you got to get a player like that. You got to get even to me like the floor is someone like Jalen Brown. I'd love Jalen Brown in Dallas. I sure. think he'd be great with Luke and KP. Someone of that ilk at the very least. That's to me, yeah. the rest of the roster, there's some good players, but whatever. I need a, I need a big wing. That to me is a piece. Well, and maybe that's where they, you know, consider some draft assets with, because I, you know, right now they're playing really well. They're five and two. I think I'm going to post this Sunday and hopefully the Mavericks will be seven and two at that point after they play the Knicks and Memphis. Who are they, this which, week? they play the Knicks on Friday, the, Mem- the Memphis on Saturday. Then they Ooh, play. Is that, I, is that a home game or a, at New York? Home game in Dallas, so you should uh, go okay. since you live in Dallas. <laughs> I'm gonna say um, KP back to New York is going to be a crazy scene for sure. That Never game that is actually the following week because then the, after Memphis, I believe they play Boston. Then I think they play New York again. So they get and the they two the New York fight, games. So they can get a, get a nice little start to the season. Right. There's there's a re- this is the time for them to really pad their wins for when, you know, before they have to go through the the, you know, the the gambit that is the Western Conference. I'm going to be really be really interested to see, you know, how they play the next several games. And, you know, I I just I've been thinking about the long-term stuff. I can't help it. It's just kind of the way my brain's wired. I I'm I'm really kind of pleased with this team. I've been looking ahead. Um I, I so know you've been watch. It's been awesome so far. I've well, been and, this year. Do you, have you followed any college ball yet, or is that just still outside of your bandwidth where you haven't dipped in? Um, I'm, I'm, I've watched a bunch of Lamelo, but that's the only guy I really know really well right now. But I'm, I'll get going that pretty soon. Here, here's my Mavericks target for 2020, and the the last time they have a they they might have a draft pick above the 20, you know, in the teens, because I'm pretty sure after this they're going to be good enough to where they'll be in the playoffs in the coming years. I believe this year they need to target. Arkansas guard Isaiah Joe. Okay, he's a sleeper. People like him. Okay. Well, and he all he does is shoot threes, and and one of the things that pains me is watching. You know, the Mavericks are heaving threes, but the guys who are shooting them are largely not good at it. So I need. I just want some more shooters. But you know that 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 flips back and forth just because I I also see what you're saying about them you know perhaps needing an additional ball handler so you never know you never know Kurt, but I'm going to be let me ask I'm, you this do you sure. think they're making the playoffs this year what's your read on that at this point I think that the the door opened a heck of a lot wider if you if you kick the Warriors out obviously I I think that 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 opens another slot I'm not you know the the fact that the Kings and the Pelicans have started the year kind of rocky even though i believe at least one of those two of them rebounds to some degree the mavericks have a very good chance uh their schedule is a is awful following the all-star break uh february and march are just brutal so 
you know, if, if they can play, if they, if they head into the new year, you know, four to five games above 500, then I think that's going to be a real win and they have an outside shot at it. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to figure out something to improve the team. But right now I just, I'm getting very shades of the 2013, 14 Mavs before they traded for Rondo. Um, okay. The, and, the Parsons Monte team. Uh, and, and Jameer Nelson was point guard. Brandon Wright oh, yeah, was, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. was the role man. He was, where, oh, yeah, he was great. They had like a 12 or 14 game sample size where they had the best offense in NBA history. Like it was just, you, you know, it, and there's a lot of shades of that. If these guys just start, start connecting on shots. So that's kind of where I am right now. I'm feeling very positive, which is not a normal state of mind for me. So I, I I've pivoted. That, yeah, from that being, is very different. Yeah. Very different for you for sure. <laughs> I pivoted from being, you know, grumpy about the team to like nitpicking Chris Depp's Porzingis 19 and eight. Like, I feel like when I say it out loud, I feel like a, a, a bit of a jerk. Well, you know, it's okay. I well, think I like what you're saying. It's important with golden state. So that means there's two spots open with OKC out too. I think Portland, if they don't make a trade, they're in trouble with Zach yep. Collins being out. I think it's a huge loss to them. And even like, I think the Spurs have been up and down. This feels like, I'm feeling pretty good about the Mavericks in the playoffs this year. I'm feeling pretty good about it at this point. I'm pretty I mean, excited. Injuries, of course, that's the thing. It's Absolutely. Just, I mean, to me, like, forget 13-14. This feels like 0-1-0-2 to me. Sure. This feels very – I mean, it feels like the same kind of team, like the way they're playing. I mean, I remember – we're old enough now. I remember watching Nash and Dirk when they were young, and, like, every game, oh, they'll score 120 easy. That was how you felt coming into it, right? Like, Absolutely. Like, can't be stopped. It doesn't matter who's, who's playing. And they can't stop anyone either, but it's okay because they'll score a billion points. And That's if how they, Luka's going. It's just so, so easy to score. Well, I'm really surprised that they've been as solid at rebounding as they have been. And they're hanging out in the high teens, low 20s in terms of, like, defensive rating. And if they can I figure mean, it out – I mean, it helps that Luka's, Luka's getting 10 boards a game, man. That's great. <laughs> it's Russell Westbrookian. If they can figure out a way to improve the defense by, like, a margin, just – you know, a little bit and be like the 16th, 15th or 14th best defensive team, then they're going to make the playoffs. Like this is not, this is, this is really where we are with them. Um, before I get out of here, cause I've taken up way too much of your time. We've, we've been uh, fiddling no, around. I'm, all, I'm always happy to be on Kirk, your enthusiasm. It's not problem <laughs> at all. What is there anything else out there this season, you know, after, after six to eight games, that's really intriguing you that you want to see, you know, continue to watch. You mean like league wide? Yeah, league-wide. Oh, I don't know. I try to pick out one thing. I think it's been a really fun year. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun teams. I, I wrote a piece on the Heat today. They're really fun to watch. The Clippers are – they're incredible. Watching Kawhi these days is amazing. His level where he's at now is truly remarkable. I mean, there's a, it's a fun year, man. I think, I think at the end of the day it will be the same two teams, but it'll be a fun ride to get there. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's been a fun season already. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I love the fact that we're about three weeks in and everyone across the board, the preview content that, that so many sites and people work hard to put out is essentially useless because you know, so many, there's been injuries, there's been teams that are collapsed in, in certain ways. I mean, even the bucks look really weird. It's just, it's, this is why you watch the games, you know, now that golden state and the juggernaut doesn't exist anymore. This is why you, you know, you want to tune in to league pass most nights because you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, these days on the internet, Kirk, if things last a day, you're happy. Not, nothing is evergreen anymore. 
It comes out and you're on to the next thing, which is good and bad, I suppose. Well, guys, I think it's time for me to let Jonathan go. If you're not reading him on The Ringer, I don't know what you're doing. If you're not listening to their many basketball podcasts, I can't recommend them enough. Uh, Jonathan goes on about once every two weeks to talk with them uh, uh, in group chat and different options. I'm on weekly now. You're on weekly? Okay. Well, I listen to all of them. I'm an I'm an utter total ringer stan. It's really embarrassing um, uh, how much of my phone is like ringer content just because I enjoy it. And I can't recommend it highly enough. So with that, I think I'm going to, you know, thank you for coming on. And hopefully maybe we can talk, uh, you know, maybe we can talk around All-Star break and see how things are going. For sure. Definitely. Happy to talk, Mavs. All right. Well, everybody, this is uh, going up Sunday, and hopefully the Mavs are seven and two at this point. If they're not, you know who to blame. As always, rate and subscribe. <laughs> Let me know what we can do better. This has been Kirk. Your enthusiasm, everybody. Have a good week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.